Welcome to Garden DC, the podcast about everything gardening in the Washington DC and Mid-Atlantic region. I'm your host, Kathy Gents. I'm the editor of Washington Gardener Magazine, and we're aimed at gardening enthusiasts, people who grow everything from edibles to ornamentals, natives to exotics. If it grows in our area, that's what we talk about. Joining us this episode on Garden DC is Sherry Lejeune, president of the National Capital Area Garden Clubs. Welcome, Sherry. Hey, hi, Kathy. Good to be with you today. Great to have you. And a little bit about the NCAGC, if I can use that acronym. (laughs) They uh, serve the greater Washington, D.C. area, and there's over 70 clubs, correct, in it? No, it's down to 60. Oh, no. And 2,200 members. 2,200 members. That's great still. And uh, they have close connections and ties to the U.S. National Arboretum, which we'll get into in a little bit. And um, also maybe talk about their connection to the National Garden Clubs, uh, which can sometimes be confusing to a lot of people, right? Yes, yes. So how did you get involved initially? Did you join your local garden club or how did it start for you? Well, um, I think we all, and you're at charge of your garden club, and I'm sure uh, 20 years ago, if somebody said, oh, you're going to you're gonna be in a garden club, and you're like, I don't think so. Um, it's a funny story. I'll keep it short. I moved to Vienna from Connecticut. I've lived all over the world and six states uh, in my lifetime, and when I arrived in Northern Virginia, I made a comment to three women uh, spreading mulch uh, next to a Whole Foods on the wonderful uh, WOND bike trail. And I go, oh, you look cold. It was one of those March mornings where it was frosty. I said, you should go inside. I'm sure they give, they give you um, some coffee or soup. And one of them screeched back, they've never given us anything. So my background is marketing. I've done huge sponsored events, or let us say I created sponsors for very large events, um, particularly sports marketing. And I marched in and was able to convince the manager through, yes, pure guilt, that there are three older women out there and that I noticed the picnic tables and gee golly whiz, I think they're probably beautifying the um, particular garden Uh, that benefits their sales to have people off the trail stop and get a beverage or sandwich or whatever. And I came out and I handed three $75 cards to one of the women and she grabbed my arm. She goes, I don't care where you live, but you're joining our garden club. (laughs) And unfortunately it's one of those things where you should never give out your phone number when somebody says that to you. Um, But I did. And I ended up in the Air Hill Garden Club, which is going on its 90th year. And uh, it's ironic because it was really good timing. You know, when you're new and you live in a lot of places, it's hard to make new friends when, you know, I wasn't in Rotary. And so I couldn't say, oh, let me find the local Rotary and they'll be my new pals. But, you know, it turned out that the mayor of Vienna and councilmen and everybody was hotwired because they were members of Air Hill. So I got instantly overnight all the inside scoops of the town um, that I lived in. And so it was kind of wonderful because they they were very welcoming. Of course, there was the old guard. Um, and then there were more contemporaries to me. And again, you know, in this DC area, there's so many people who've lived all over the world that I immediately felt comfortable with in terms of this group. So, you know, how did I jump from garden club person to being uh, the cheese for two years as the president? I was conned once again by my garden club members saying, oh, you know, could you be the second vice president of national capital? And I go, what's involved? And they told me the job. And I said, only if you guys help me. Well, you know, it's the classic thing of, um, of uh, you know, people 
misrepresent their support early, but you fall for it because they kind of know your personality. And mm -hmm. my personality is I don't do anything half. I, I, I'm, it's impossible for me to do anything half, half way. So once I got involved with the organization, um, because I had had my own companies and some very large scale uh, connections in terms of operations, I realized I probably could uh, contribute something. And I think that's the big thing. I mean, you know, we all look at what do we bring? You know, I remember back in the old days, you know, you'd sit around company talking like, oh, well, what are you bringing to the table? And I remember when I would sell contracts, you know, oh, okay, what are you bringing to us? What do, what do we get? So, you know, it's kind of funny that uh, you know this, you've been around Garden Club people uh, for years now because of your own association with Garden Club, except, and and all the talks. I mean, let's face it, our clubs give you a lot of business and everybody has fallen madly in like with you. You're very popular uh, because you give great presentations and that is the name of the game. How do you engage people? So yeah, that is how I landed in this. And now the irony is when I go out of office May 1st, I already have an assignment. I was asked by the incoming president of National Garden Club to head up a whole new committee, which is a new, it's like introducing an electric car. I'm going to be head of virtual resources and um, I'll save that for later, but it's going to be a big deal. And it's a game changer. It's a game changer for National Garden Club. So my background is marketing. I've had several companies. I've been a contractor. I've done tons of media. I work for the Today Show. I've worked for European media. You know, it's like anything. You you know, I'm of that generation of the uh, 60s and 70s where, yeah, I have a college degree from Boston University, but it was in English a literature. And you know, that's not exactly where my career path took me in the beginning when I worked for other companies. But, you know, sometimes because there was flexibility back in those days, you didn't have to have a graduate degree. You didn't have to go to business school, although I was accepted to Harvard Business School. But um, I was standing in the unemployment line after being in Europe for seven months before I was going to start school. And I met a woman and she had just spent time in Europe. And uh, she had all these uh, art prints. And so we were talking and she was going to go to Harvard Law School. And we really had great conversation. And I lived in the Boston waterfront as it was changing before even Faneuil Hall had been redone. And I said, oh, wouldn't it be great to do a gallery? So that actually started me on the path of insanity because uh, I was in venture capital before that in terms of investing other people's money into small firms. And that has helped me in my volunteer life and my own business because when you invest in other people's companies, you have to learn are they going to survive? Because, you know, of course, if you're uh -huh. investing money, you're like, uh, what's the plan here? So it's it was kind of cool. And I feel that same way in my volunteer life in terms of garden clubs. You can go to any club and immediately look at their organization, look at the kind of things they do in the community, and you can figure out, are they going to die out of old age? Like some of our clubs have done. They literally were the backbone, you know, you know, this in Maryland, a lot of HOAs and the typical thing from the 1960s or the seventies was, Oh, uh, our community should have a garden club. And so garden clubs were started. But then what happened is these people who actually started the clubs when they were parents, as they aged out, what happened was they didn't know how to connect with the hmm. people moving in. And also what happened is that they, there were a lot of different people again, because of it's DC, you know, maybe somebody from Southeast Asia came in and all of a sudden you have these people like, Oh, I don't know what to say to them. And so, you know, they died uh, of nat. Well, I don't know if you can put a label natural causes, but you know, it is very interesting. Um, uh, nonprofits. I mean, I know because you've done so many presentations with nonprofits, you know, 
a lot of them don't run like businesses. And when I came to be the president, I was just determined that this wasn't going to be the good old girls social club, um, that I was going to apply very hard and fast rules. Now, I'm not going to say all my predecessors before me didn't act that way, but I knew my style was going to be different because I, we do have assets for our, our organization. And, um, you look around, we're in a place where there's some very major green players, let's face it, National Wildlife, Sierra Club, you know, Nature's, you know, uh, Conservancy, and it goes on and on. And, you know, they're around because they uh, are nonprofits, but they're very serious nonprofits. So I think we have a product, which is unusual, where you have humans as the product who are who are out in the community and uh, it's kind of, um, we kind of propagate what we do in terms of today's uh, green community. And that's why we're, we're tethered to individuals like yourself and many more mm-hmm. who can help us say, here's some trends, here's the dialogue. And we're all influencers. And, and that counts for something. I mean, I think a lot of the older members never saw themselves as influencers, um, in the community. Uh, and yes, of course they've had projects because, you know, the scale, I saw one of the things you, uh, had sent me for today was, well, what do people do? I mean, the range is incredible. Do we have clubs who, who, and let's all, I'm going to talk in two tones, pre COVID and COVID pre COVID. Sure. There are clubs who, would meet once a month, do the banana bread. And obviously I'm going to say the, uh, snacks are always much better than just banana bread, but, um, (laughs) beverages, you know, no, you've been at the clubs. You see some of them have Mm -hmm. really amazing spreads. Yeah. There there are some really nice hospitality out there. Yeah. And and I mean, some of them do lunch. I mean, I mean, I used to love to be the guest at the ones who put on the full on lunch. I'm like, wow, this is living. But, so, and they would reboot, they would um, bring in a speaker and it was for themselves and they didn't take any of that and say, well, that was great. Um, and then they just reboot. So, so most of our clubs though, I am very pleased to say some of them have projects going back a long time. Like Air Hill has seven community gardens. That's a lot. Um, the one that's on the WOND is going on 40 years, which is incredible. And there, and I know we can find other national capital clubs who've been doing the same median strip in Fort Washington for 50 years. And you can find clubs who do containers in their small towns, or they go to town community gardens like the Kitty uh, I think it's Kitty Posner in Fairfax City. There's a Fairfax Ferns, a very tiny club, but they are energized to take care of this very visible uh, community garden that, because of the concert series they hold in the summer, maybe 200,000 people get to see this community garden. And, you know, by little community garden standards, that's a heck of a lot, right? I mean, that's Uh a lot. And then other people do, you know, the plantings around some memorial. We have what are called Blue Star Memorials to honor people's military service. And oftentimes our clubs will buy those markers and put them like in Manassas uh, behind their government center. Um, Centennial Garden Club uh, does a garden. And I mean, I could go on and on and on. I mean, almost all of our clubs will say something, even Mm -hmm. if it's the bulbs in front of a library, whether it's Montgomery County, um, uh, Fairfax, Alexandria, Arlington, you will find the thumbprint of national capital uh, members somewhere in the community. So, and that's, and that's pretty, that's pretty good. And obviously I'm, I'm a little nudge. I always like to encourage people to change it up, you know, that it's possible to do different community projects. So, but, you know, I spent a whole life marketing and because when you're out on your own, um, you have to be pretty clever, but, uh, and when you know, you can do certain things, 
because you learn the skill set. I mean, you, I know you know this is like, okay, well, where's the team to do the social media? Okay, Sherry, what are you going to be doing this week? So, you know, yep. you kind of wear all the hats. But see, for me, before I was even president, I did something that no other national capital area uh, person did before they were the president. I was picked by the current National Garden Club president at the time, Nancy Hargroves, to be on the social media committee, which was just kicking off um, their big campaign to grow their social media presence. So I'm like died and go to heaven because I managed at the time, like, I don't know, 15 social media accounts. So for me to be able to have been on that team and bump out interesting information, I mean, for me, you know, everybody's different. Everybody has different skill sets. But for me, that was quite, quite easy. I know, you know, we follow each other on social mm-hmm. media. It's like, yeah, for, for the two of us, it's natural. But for yeah. others, it, you know, it seems like, a yeah. yeah, or it seems like a foreign language that you're like, what do you mean by hashtag? Right. Yeah. And they're, and, they're, and they're afraid. They're afraid that they, they think all, well, I do say this because, you know, obviously I help train our clubs and I say, well, if all else fails, you can share a post on your club's Facebook page that you find interesting because we have learned, especially in this age group who are garden club members, they're not like us. They're not jumping around like jelly, you know, like uh, jumping beans, like, okay. And now we're at cap, you know, uh, capital naturalist. Uh, did I say that right? Or is that backwards? Yes. Um, but mm-hmm. you know what I mean. Yes. Uh, we're visiting Alonzo. I'm visiting mm-hmm. you at Washington Guard. I'm I'm all over the place looking at um, the message of what people are watching because I look at it now with a different um, hat on of what in those posts serve our membership in terms of of trends or opportunities. So you know, pre-COVID, our biggest job um, running the organization, you know, we, I'm embarrassed to say, but, you know, it's like you have a meeting, you have a state meeting in the fall, you have a spring meeting, you have awards, you, every two years they have an installation, and then the presidents throw in a president's project, uh, and that is a huge rain. It could be a fundraiser. Um, and so, and then again, just like their clubs reboot, well, all of that has changed drastically during COVID. I didn't skip a beat cause we were already, we already had a zoom account and why we had a zoom account was we had a board member who lives, um, in the Montgomery ag reserve area. She's quite skilled and you know, it's very hard. I know you've been in organizations. Nobody wants to be the treasurer, right? Nobody. But she and her husband had run a um, CPA CPA business for decades. And I was like, nothing is better than somebody who actually doesn't have to be told how to use QuickBooks. So I promised her if she would stay on uh, to be the treasurer again, that I would get digital meetings. And lo and behold, I delivered. I got our board to vote on that. And it got even better because I got the our general membership uh, to vote on digital state meetings. So, you know, everything's opened up. At March, when everybody was in a state of panic and all the messages like, oh, we have to cancel our meetings. And I'm like, we're not canceling anything. We just shifted. Mm-hmm. And, exactly. And... And people like you were all of a sudden, well, I have no problem. I'll do digital meeting, you know, and you found so much talent immediately who were the kind of people, again, like yourself, who, I mean, all you had to do is screen share. The only pivot for you was screen share. And for you, because you really are an environmentalist and you don't take, you don't have a car, you ride public transportation, you know, it was uh, made for you because um, the quality, you know, people go, it's not the same. And I'm like, mm-hmm. are you kidding me? You know, when somebody's in the thing, you're so distracted, you're in the meeting, you're fit, you're looking at Lois in the, you know, two aisles up fidgeting with her pants 
or somebody took the plate from their snacks before the meeting started and they're kicking it and making noise. And, um, you know, I just, I find it highly amusing uh, that people say, oh, but it's not as good. Yeah, that's so true, Sherry, that uh, there are so many bonuses to being on an online webinar, you know, besides concentration and being able to totally focus on the speaker. I do so miss seeing everybody's faces and personal reactions. And of course, those snacks that we talked about earlier. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm sure like you, I mean, oftentimes in some of these meetings, like, okay, I don't, I don't have to eat dinner, you know, because they're, of course, they're making a plate. Oh, take this home, take this home. So it is fun. Yeah, that's always nice. I do want to circle back a tiny bit on a couple of things you said, because we have some listeners who are outside the area. Okay. So when you referred to moving down to Vienna, that's obviously Vienna, Virginia. Right. Uh, <laughs> there right. are other Viennas. And then the the trail, the, it's a WBNO. No, it's a WNOD. Washington N-O-D, sorry. and Old Dominion, which was mm-hmm. the primary rail line between Washington, D.C. and the southern states. And well, it connected to Washington. It was mm-hmm. the main track, but it was a different route that went to the south. And about 40, I really, it's awful that I don't, maybe it's about 50 years ago, um, they tore up the tracks, of course, and made it a spectacular pedestrian, you know, walk, bike, mm-hmm. Um, jog. Yeah. So it's a, it's one of those rails to trails projects. Yes, but it where you goes can... from D, guess where it goes from? It goes from Arlington out to Purseville. That's quite a distance. Wow. Yeah. So you can hike or bike. And I think what makes it safe too, is there the plantings that you mentioned that some of the garden clubs were working on along it. And it gives some opportunity for adding back in some pollinator plants and some native plants and and some other experimental well, we're plantings. The only club. We're the only club. There had been yeah. other clubs who, you know, like a lot of organizations, somebody's in and they're big, they always have themes and projects and like, we're going to put in a garden at such and such intersection where the WNOD is, but none of them kept it up. We're the only ones who've sustained this garden for close to 40 years. And what we did about 10 years ago, when the you know, really when the native movement started to really build steam, did we say, gosh, we're going to start ripping out uh, some of the plants that we, you know, a lot of invasives really bloom quite beautifully, as we all know, but we yanked them out and we put in um, Uh, we put in native plants. So we've been, you know, we were kind of early adopters to that. And and Mm -hmm. we also felt, you know, we're the kind of club where storytelling is part of the advocacy. You know, when people see you working and you've got your club t-shirts on and you're kneeling by, you know, you're kneeling and you're pulling weeds or you're digging a hole to plant something and people are commenting saying, oh, this is so lovely. Thank you. Um, you get to have this dialogue because a lot of people, of course, go, oh, what's the name of that one? Oh, I want to have that one. And so you're, again, I go back to this. It's a continual, wonderful job to advocate for uh, natives. You know, we're not crazy people because I know you know this. Nobody's going to rip out all their plants, okay? They're not native to the area. And, and the joke is now, for the last hundred years, there were a lot of imported plants that are now settled down in our area and do quite well. So um, what is the name of that? I know you know the right name. It's I'm losing it right now. When something is naturalized, is that the correct term? Yeah, you could call it naturalized. So, you know, it gets to be a point where you can't get too crazy, but mm-hmm. yes, but, but, you know, I now, because of COVID and my ability with my digital skills, I ended up training people all over the country, all over the country. And I was on what is was called the beta Zoom team for the National Garden Club schools. National Garden Club for many, many decades has offered these schools, landscape, garden studies, um, environment, and flower show. 
uh, or should I, I don't, can you, I never remember, it's flower show school where they hope that after you take it, you'll become a judge and break people's hearts and give them honorable mentions like they have for me many <laughs> years. Um, no, I always, I always tease my friend because that's a whole other subset. I'm only one of two presidents in national capital area who is not a flower show person. I am, I, I enter the shows. I have to say that I'm not a judge. Um, uh, and everybody's got their own thing, but I will tell you, we are more than flower shows, although we do have fun with it. And if you don't like designing a lot of clubs now, um, you know, cause it's a huge setup to do a real flower show. I mean, it's the mechanics of a real flower show. Um, you have to have a real hearty group uh, willing to do all the stuff to follow the rules because obviously there are rules. But a horticulture show is really fun because when you stage those and if you're smart enough to put it in a community location where you have traffic, all of a sudden you've got people coming in and they're like, is that a daffodil? What kind of daffodil is that? I didn't even know that existed. And you've got this interest level in horticulture that is exactly the desired effect you want. Yes, you want them to appreciate the beauty, but you know, the when one of your questions was about old school, you know, the whole beautification thing, uh, that word is going out the window and it's not because it's horrible, but it sends the wrong message. And yes, we do have gray haired ladies, but you know, I'm 70 friggin' years old and I got, I got a lot of energy. Okay. I have a lot of energy <laughs> and, and, and I'm typical. I mean, you've met our people. You, it sounds funny, our people, but you've met the garden club people and you can see the people who had interesting lives, their backgrounds. And when they retired or at the time was right, they joined garden clubs. So they're bringing to these clubs that passion and energy. And we are seeing, um, believe it or not, we are seeing new members, uh, slightly younger for us. You're a kid if you're in your 50s. So you'd, I don't even know. I don't even know if you're 50 yet, but you know, anytime we see anybody in their 50s and I always say to them, oh, well, you inherit a whole bunch of mothers, extra mothers mm -hmm. who really like you. But, um, you know, so it's, and we're starting a new, by the way, the thing that we're starting are virtual clubs and national capital. That was always the missing link to the pie. How do you get people who still work? And of course, there are clubs who meet at seven o'clock at night. Okay. But it's still, if you're 45, I'm not going to lie. A lot of people do have a natural resistance to think that they're going to be in an organization that has been around for 30 to 50 to 70 or 100 years, and they don't want to wait until they're 60 to be part of the organization a way where what change, what what they would like to do would be front and center. And so and and again this is endemic to any organization where you know it's what happened when I was in Air Hill. I conniption every time because I wanted them to have a website. Oh my god, for 5 years I would pitch a website and they were like we only want to know our people. Why do we want strangers to know who we are? And I couldn't stop laughing. You know, <laughs> oh yeah, those strangers, you better watch out for them. If they got in the garden club, they may, you know, not dig the holes deep enough or something. I mean, obviously I made fun of it, but finally, um, you know, patience, patience, patience. Uh, we're a very modern club and we do have young, we even have members in their forties, which is a shock and their parents of um, school aged children, which actually was the old days, like from the sixties and seventies where people again, going back to that HOA garden club model, um, people uh, who were not back at work and who were stay at home moms uh, seem to find time for the garden club. So you have a really mixed bag. And because I've been jumping around, thank you, Zoom, all over the country, all the stories and the, the you know, some garden clubs have consignment stores 
for um, low-income areas. I mean, literally, they're running consignment stores, or they'll do food drives or coat drives, and you'd say, what, a garden club? But yet you will find that, and you will find people dedicated to very specific um, charitable things in their community, or like in California, because of all the wildflowers, you will find national garden clubs in California who band together not only to raise money, but to create new, uh, how can I say it, uh, getting involved with watch teams. Because National Garden Club, for years, by the way, has had this disaster relief program. For example, say you were in a flood zone and your community got wiped out. Well, National Garden Club would give you up to $5,000 to help repair that garden, bring it back. Um, and they've given out, I think, in the last three years, something like $100,000. Well, look at look what's happened in our country in the last three years in terms of natural disasters from, you know, hurricanes and fires, et cetera. So, you know, for my interest level, I hope I'm, I know I talk very fast, blame it. I, I could blame it on my 10 years in New York City, but <laughs> I was the baby of five children. I was born and raised outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, my grandmother, curious enough, on my father's side, was the president of the Pennsylvania Garden Club. And how I remember Garden Club back then for my grandmother is that she would never pay attention to us and she was always you drying flowers or uh, talking or just doing things which when you're 10 years old, you really could care less about um, because she wasn't actually showing us how to do anything. She would just be not really paying attention to us when she would ask us to visit her. So, you know, I didn't have this really great thing. You could say, oh, well, maybe it's genetic. I don't really know, but I don't think on my mother's side. No, my mother was a teacher and we had shrubs and trees. I lived on an acre and my brothers threatened my mother that if she planted any trees in the backyard, that they would be run over because they were football and baseball guys. Our backyard was literally the neighborhood um, sports uh, sports arena. So, <laughs> you know, so, but, you know, it, you know, it's really funny in life. I lived in apartments for much of my adult life. I mean, I lived in a condo. I, I lived on the waterfront in apartments. And by the way, I actually really liked it because I'm one of those quirky people where I like to go and lock my door and go to any restaurant I want. Well, right now it's a little tough, but to not have the responsibility of worrying like, oh, is my house clean enough, you know, to host a whole bunch of people. And um, yes, I do. enjoy. I, you know, I live in a giant house now with almost three acres and it's painful because all I have to keep thinking of, you know, I'm not being the best housekeeper, but but I live in nature. So I see a lot of wildlife. And, you know, of course, the wildlife I used to see in New York City had a very long tail um, and was not a French chef, by the way, the rats of New York City. But, you know, things happen in people's lives. And that's, I would have never, ever thought about this, but it's a really great fit. I've met some, I've met so many outstanding individuals. And it's not just women, although, it is true, 99.99% of the people who are in um, National Garden Club happen to be women, but the men who are involved, some of them got engaged in the process of Garden Club because of their spouses, um, and some of them, you know, it's very quirky, you know, in the DMV, the dahlia growers, oh my God, the guys who walk away with the biggest ribbons for the dahlia society are the guys, mm -hmm. right? Very true. Um, I want to circle back to a couple of things you said about the Garden Club projects. And okay. one of the key tips I think you said in there was the continual maintenance, because I see so many organizations, not just garden clubs, but, you know, say a scouting right. group, a civic organization, they want to do a one-time planting, yeah. a one-time cleanup or beautification, and then nobody has budgeted or planned for the continual maintenance. And that often happens, of course, at school gardens and elsewhere as well. So that's definitely something I see lacking in a lot of projects, which I'm glad to see the the National Capital Garden Club doing follow-up on. That's interesting because that really is 
I will, and I, I certainly don't need to misrepresent it because we, one of the good things about during my term is that because of COVID, we've had an opportunity to connect more with our, our club leadership and our general members because we've offered so many programs. I mean, people are appearing on Zoom who would have never, ever, ever gone to a state meeting or even a district meeting. And yet we're meeting them and they talk about projects they want to do. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, some of the projects, you know, like the median strips, and I didn't mean to poo poo because it's really great because I think people tend to, you know, I know this in Vienna is that every spring I can always count on about a two mile strip of daffodils uh, that goes through town. Now our garden club does not do that, but I'm talking about there are garden clubs in our, in our organization where you can count, you know, I can talk about all the libraries in Montgomery County and Northern Virginia, that those daffodils, those were planted by garden club members and they come up and they always come and they'll pull weeds or if they have a meadow, great, Falls uh, Garden Club at the uh, Great Falls Library has this really huge um, meadow and they're very diligent. Well, meadows are not so easy, as you know. Meadows are a little tricky in terms of maintenance, but they have really kept up with it. And and again, the range of projects are incredible. And some clubs even will join on to Sierra Club projects or stormwater projects that the counties, you know, you see it all the time. In fact, you post it, the opportunities for people to jump in on green um, partner projects to say, hey, man, we're doing Mm -hmm. a, you know, a stream cleanup. And I like to message that stuff out because maybe your whole garden club has zero interest in that. But even if one or two of you are interested to me, that's all part of the deal where you add those resources or you put those resources out there. So yeah, I, I can't think of any of the clubs who ever walked away and, you know, I don't think anybody wants to be accused of neglect. So I don't, I don't think we're guilty. I don't think we're guilty of that for sure. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a big educational component to that, not just the plantings that exist uh, could be used as example, but you know, there's labeling, there's signage. And then there's the second part that I think you excel in, which is of course the marketing of that. And I like to have with my own garden clubs, we have signs made up that say such and such garden club at work. And while you're out there, maybe in your club t-shirts or or getting dirty (laughs) behind the nails um, to have a sign up because often people will just walk by and not have any idea who installed this garden or who's maintaining it. Yeah, exactly. Well, we're very bad about signage and there's always been big discussion with Air Hill because we had a beautiful, huge sign um, for the WOND that, again, right next to Whole Foods on the trail in Vienna. Um, but it fell down. And then the um, friends of the trail replaced it with a new material that wasn't going to rot like the wooden one. And we we're like, wait a minute, where's our name? Um, but so we were going to do other different signs to do that. And we have had a lot of plant signs. You know this, you can go Brookside, Meadowlark, they all have the problem. You know, our local gardens, well, even at the Botanical Garden, um, I can't think of her name right now, but the who's the head of it, we talked about how people just can't keep their hands over swiping things and they'll pull it right out of, you know, the whole tropical garden at the U.S. Botanical Garden. They apparently... I mean, the grounds, the maintenance people are just furious because so many of their signs, it's like a souvenir, you know, people from all over the world visit there. And what am I thinking? Is that like a street sign? You go back to uh, um, Luxembourg and you say, oh, and look at the, look at my plant sign from the years. <laughs> yeah, it's unfortunate. But yeah, we did a, a previous episode of the podcast about Latin and labels. And, you know, we try to make the the point that you have a camera, most of you in your pocket, you know, you have that smartphone and to take that smartphone out and to take that picture of the plant and then take the picture of the label or vice versa. And that's really a smart, yeah, no, I I, got to tell you, that is the most intelligent way. And, you know, Think of the gifts that we have today because of our technology, what you just said, 
use your smartphone, take a picture, take a picture of the label. And so you have this ability, you know, uh, to minimize the amount of frustration that usually is a company is like, Oh, do you remember whatever? Um, but yeah, no, Mm -hmm. it's always a work in progress. It's very funny. The whole garden club, but I have to tell you because of the garden movement explosion because so many people are at home people are more interested in garden clubs all right they're more interested in garden clubs um and i was involved with the region the central atlantic region i was trying to put a magic marker around seven state because i think thirty thousand people is a pretty large number right to let let the the general population to say what thirty thousand people are in garden clubs so but I always wanted them to do a project because I see low hanging fruit. Again, it's my marketing thing is that, um, you know, you trees, I mean, trees as pollinators. I mean, hello to be able to educate the public or when we have plant sales, many, many of our clubs do plant sales. And now to be frank with you, most of them are only selling natives. So And when I say they're selling natives, the old school way was everybody dug plants. I know you remember this, dug them them up from their own yards because you knew then that they were going to survive in the community of which Mm -hmm. the tail was held. Now we're getting our, now a lot of the clubs though are going to wholesalers and I could name names, but I think you already know them of people Mm -hmm. who do sell native plants and why, frankly, it's not because we're old ladies and we can't wipe off the containers that we save to for the plant sale. It's just that they're nicely labeled. They have a, a consistency and uniformity that a consumer wants. And now that they've been home all year, right? Or mostly everybody's been at home all year, um, they're they're a little fussy. Um, but we did have plant sales even during COVID for some of our members and uh, a lot of people had programs, so many garden tours. So I'm going to tell you, our clubs were so creative. We had a club, Beverly Hills, who's in Alexandria. A bunch of the grandparents uh, who belong to the club, but are like me, off the chart energy, created a kid's camp with their grandchildren. All And these kids lived all over the place, even in Europe. Wow. So. They created that. They went, they, these women got in silly costumes. One was a butterfly and one was a bee. And I go like, wow, it's really brave. Cause you know, five years from now, those grandchildren could really blackmail you with those videos. You know, <laughs> Hey grandma, remember when you were the bumblebee, but you know, and the same thing is uh, we've had so many bonus programs for like tomorrow. We have a program called the look of love and Kirk Brown, who, you know, quite well from garden uh, com or I don't, it's mm-hmm. not called garden com anymore. Is it? Yep, no, it's garden com. Yeah. It used to be garden writers. Yeah. Right, right, right. But so Kurt is one of yours and he's wonderful. And I talked him into doing a segment on, um, the language of flowers, only we call it something differently. And a lot of members sent me photographs of plants or arrangements or whatever they love. And the stories that they included, you know, I just love the stories that people, and I, and I know this because when you had your seed swap uh, pre-COVID and the one that I went to at Green Springs, I love that because Everybody was starting to, you know, they're holding Mm -hmm. a seed pack and all of a sudden they're telling you a story about growing that plant. And and it's like a, a, like a parent talking about their child and, you know, and, and the years that my, uh, whatever vine was this tall and, you know, maybe it's because I'm in that phase where it amuses me, but I am a storyteller. Again, the fifth child, I had to talk fast to get what I wanted because, you know, when you have brothers uh, 12 and 11 and seven years older than you and my sister who's four years older, I had to talk very quickly to get their attention to try to pitch whatever I wanted to, you know, be included or please can I have that half a cookie or whatever. So um, I just, I just find it interesting uh, to be able to take those skills and, look at the vast array of 
the dialogue that's going on in our country today. And what I'm excited about is, is that National Garden Club, even though there is a lot of old school, some people did not Zoom at all, I will have to confess, and it really breaks my heart at the state level, at least some of the clubs did. And what is going forward is that Mary Warshower, who will be the next president, uh, I think her term is effective May 1st, um, she said, we're not going back. We have online schools now. And again, I mean, come on, they're for self-education. It's not like Master Gardener where you take a test and you actually have to know the answers. Um, the schools are not that way for National Garden Club, but I'll tell you what they do do. They have excellent instructors. It's the real material. And the hope is, is that if you complete these courses, you then go and you can join a council and then the councils, it depends, not all councils are created equally that we have, but a lot of the councils really do great community projects or give back to their clubs. And why does that help? For example, Air Hill got a thousand dollar grant from the Landscape Council um, to do a, a new garden next to the only historic marker in Vienna, Virginia called the Freeman store. And we were able to build, uh, I'm sorry, we were able to buy a lot of uh, interesting plants to rebuild this entire area that was getting lost to erosion. And guess what? Guess how many people will see that garden on any given year on the WOND? How about, are you ready? About a half a million people. Wow. That's, that's all. We have like five gardens that all these, all this traffic on the W. That's, that's significant for a garden club. Mm -hmm. uh, you'd think would have more signs, wouldn't you? Uh, <laughs> to get a little credit. But, but you know, you know, this is that there's a friendship. And sure, there are a lot of clubs. You know, you said, what What else in my background? I'm involved with the General Federated Women's Club, which is also a national organization. And I was a, a leader in that as well. And obviously, I'll, I will probably go back and do some projects with them after this because I really love that. And there are a bunch of old ladies too, by the way, but um, they give back to the community. And, and my theme is personally is that as much as you can give back, if you have skill sets and you can afford to volunteer, then do that. Because my real passion uh, for the last 10 years is technology for seniors. I have literally been teaching at OSHA Lifelong Learning, which is all across the country called Ollie. I have been doing all the senior special events um, to be a dedicated speaker. Amazon chose me to be on all their early panels for voice commands. I love to hook up people with voice command products, whether it's Alexa or whatever, because I like to see the quality of life enhanced. And I'm very much into cognitive uh, cognitive tool sets. I love virtual reality, augmented reality. Um, as you probably know or don't know, but I will turn you on to it. Um, there are people across the country now who are putting inventory together to share gardens uh, virtually um, with people who will never, ever get out to a garden again. And that's one of the benefits of virtual reality. I can take you to Paris. I can take you um, to Winter Tour. I can take you to the Seattle Botanical Garden. Um, I can take you to the New York Botanical Garden. Oh. So again, this is my passion. This is really a passion. And why? Because it's been proven it's not mumbo jumbo because, you know, we can look at brain studies where you can, the person is tested by looking at this stuff and all the good chemicals, which make for better mental health, I'll phrase it that way, um, happen. So, you know, again, all the threads, you know, I'm jumping around, but you know, there's connect, all of it is connected because the buffet for the people who want to belong to an organization, number one, the biggest thing is you have to like the people. Okay. I don't care how you look at it. You're going to have to like the people because why bother? If you don't like mm -hmm. the people, you're not going to be in it. So first of all, you're going to have a built-in group of people who, if something happens here, I'll give you the age thing. Everybody seems to have a hip replacement. So you're guaranteed to get some food out of that um, and cards and support. And of course the members who die, 
I'm going to be truthful. We're always there. We fill up those pews because we have that, you know, we don't talk about it. We just know that that's, that's one of the things that we owe these people who were part of our group for maybe a short while. And most of them though, you know, maybe decades, decades. So, um, it's all together. And the fact is, is that even before he really came in to be the first vice president, people were not stressing that they were, you know, the $8 that every, that's what they pay, by the way, $8 for every member in a club to the state and national capital, again, is the only weird state in National Garden Club because we are not a typical boundary. We got part of Maryland the District of Columbia, Northern Virginia. And how we got to do that is because of the garden that was the first garden at the U.S. National Arboretum called Fern Valley. That was a home run. Those were older women who, if you saw the pictures, you would say, well, maybe it would be the edge of your great-grandmother, Kathy, because you are that much younger. But you know, here were the women who had sensible shoes and house dresses, and they would be kneeling and they would be digging. They put in personally 5,000 plants. They raised money. They got plants from everywhere. They coordinated the Fern Society. They coordinated so many giveaways. And because they launched the very first garden, Fern Valley, in 1964, an act of Congress this is a true story because I just found out about it two years ago in the files that I stumbled across when I was cleaning out our store that we used to run at the Arboretum, mm-hmm. um, found that it was an act of Congress that bestowed the U.S. National Arboretum as our home. So that is why our address is at the U.S. National Arboretum. And we got out of the Arbor House um, and we are now in a a very lovely office, not very big, but it's perfect for us. And so our, our mail and everything, and obviously non-COVID times, well, even during COVID, we've gone down there and enjoyed the beauty of that. So I think that's very special. We have been bringing our members back because, you know, they're all suburbanites. I'm not going to tell a lie. There's only one DC club um, of people who actually live in DC. Mostly everybody else are suburbanites. And um, and you mentioned, you know, coming into the city. I know you know what I'm going to say. It's like, oh, I have to go in there. Oh, traffic. And but to me, it was a gift. I mean, like, oh, yes, I have to go into this city because, you know, I have to, you know, do this at the Arbor. And I was like, woohoo, I get to, you know, I get to be in this beautiful location um, and not make any other excuses because, you know, I had things to do. So, and we're bringing people back. We reconnected them with the gift of Fern Valley. We were the driving force of Friendship Garden. Okay. We, it was our dollars and National Garden Club who helped reboot uh, Friendship Garden, which is behind Arbor House. And um, we did the rain garden signs, which they finally put up. And we're now switching gears and the youth program that the Friends of the National Arboretum have is fabulous. And they are in 38 schools and we like what they do. And what's not to like when you know there's a thousand families connected to their projects. So for us, um, for part of our fundraising drive, we look to that. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know if I'm allowed to say, but this has been so much fun. It has been fun <laughs> for the friendships and going forward. Yeah. You know, to be, I know I'm going to be a part of this huge thing on a national basis to do hybrid programs. You know, I will encourage them to, you know, use you as a speaker, even if they live in Ohio, because people don't understand the boundaries, the borders, they're gone. Mm-hmm. Somebody in California can hear one of your presentations because they can beam you in on their own Zoom call. And and even if you didn't want to go from your home in uh, Maryland and Air Hill wanted you as a speaker, you don't have to worry about transportation, you, Kathy. We're going to have you on our big <laughs> screen 
And the only difference is you don't have to, well, again, you're not going to get your snacks, but maybe it would have to send you a, a, <laughs> a little, a little care package. Or, yeah. That's right. We'd have to get care package. <laughs> that kind of audience, that appreciation, whether it's digital or real time is just going to grow. I think we see ourselves now as part of a much bigger community. I, I, I think we have really, I think COVID has been a gift in so many ways in our green community because my gosh, you know, it's like I'm part of a 68 partner coalition in Northern Virginia. They would have never been able to all get together. But now because of Zoom, it's like, are you kidding me? It's a no brainer. It's so easy. And I think, and, and for example, in terms of the carbon footprint, we're not going to see people going to board meetings to meet at somebody's house, although maybe some of them will because they want to be a hostess. And I think we're playing together much better than we did pre-COVID. So that's how I feel about um, our green community. Don't you feel that way, that there that people are so hungry to connect? Yes, I was going to say that's one of the main attributes I would say of joining a garden club is that connection so whether it's virtual or in person and then I guess my next question for you would be how would somebody join a garden club um, and how do, how would they find your website okay so we are NCA garden clubs plural dot org and we have a little thing which says where the club now one of the problems is Obviously, our clubs don't have club houses. They meet in churches, homes, community centers. Um, the first thing is, is figure out if you want to geographically be close, physically close to the majority of members. You know, most of our members for my own club live in the Vienna community, although we have some people from a few, uh, the town next door, Fairfax. So, um and you can do it that way. But the trick about the new virtual clubs, they're going to be fun. For example, Kathy, I'm going to, I'm going to make a commitment that I'll make one of the two new virtual clubs that are going to start up to come to your club if you have any weeds for them to pick. Because you see, they can come to anybody's green project, garden, container, whatever, and that's what I said to Air Hill, because they were like, oh, this sounds very tricky about the virtual clubs. And I go, how about if they volunteer on their days off? Because again, most of them are all still have jobs, um, come to pull our weeds. And they, you know, two people said, oh, I think we like that a whole lot. So the opportunity to um, have members in these, and they can live anywhere. They just want to you know, make a commitment to want to have green education and engage in some community projects. And again, they can come up with their own community projects or they can join in other projects because in the DMV, gosh, it's endless. You know that on any week you can look and somebody needs help doing something and um, you'll never get bored. That's for sure. That's the benefit of having a virtual club. But you know what they all wanted to do? They wanted to have that, to say they were part of a national organization, that they were part of a national garden club. So um, that's a huge selling point. The fact that they know that they're old ladies, okay? They know they're old ladies, but they respect that. And I'm kind of proud of that. I think that, you know, you got it. All this time we spend towards this, it has to have, for me, it has to have some measurable value in any given day. I can see growth in the community of the garden clubs, which are a part of us. And I can look across the United States and maybe they're not zooming as much as I would like them to see, but they are not sitting out. They are doing something. So yeah, it, it, it's a, it's a, it's a good time. It is a good time to take stock and figure out what you don't have to do anymore and what you can do future forward to um, get, different speakers in that are not always this, no offense, but you know, some clubs only could afford uh, another master gardener. Mm -hmm. um, and now, you know, there's so, there's so much talent. I can't wait by the way, for your, your uh, district four uh, talk on, on the hybrids from Nance. I know that's going to be a blockbuster um, because you're such a good presenter, but I, I can't wait. 
Um, cause that is so fresh. And, and that here's a typical example. We get to hear, I don't have to read anything. I'm just going to tune into your presentation <laughs> and then I'm going to sound really smart. Kathy. Yes. Yeah. So I was just going to say really quick that when you go to the NCA gardenclubs.org and you hit event or the event tab, yep, it's listed can, there. Yep. Yeah. It's listed there. It's February 18th. It's all about new plant introductions and anybody in the world can register for it. And it's a benefit for the district Four garden clubs. Um, so it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, and for, I mean, the whole thing is for $10, I mean, come on, you didn't have to drive, you didn't have to register for this event, you're getting it hot off the press. I mean, I know you were at the source of all the latest and greatest of the actual growers. And so it's going to be, I can't wait. And I know in the next week, everybody always saves everything last minute. I know that we're going to get a lot of numbers. I hope this mm -hmm. next week to join it. We have 500 seats. So if you're on this, if you're listening to this podcast, please please, please, please uh, sign up. And you've got 10 days afterwards to watch it. So yep. if you have something else going on, you can watch it on demand, just like you do Netflix or Amazon Prime. Very true. And thank you again, Sherry, for sharing all your garden club background wisdom and a look into the future. I'm super excited about those virtual reality garden tours because not all of us can get everywhere. And like you, I'm one of those people who wants to clone myself <laughs> and be able to go to every garden club yeah. talk, every garden club tour. So this, this lets us kind of exponentially increase our knowledge and our experiences out there. So it's wonderful. Well, thank you for all you do because you are uh, the baseline. Uh, you are very important because, uh, you know, it's always good to support the local, but every article that you do in your publication, as well as what you cover, you keep it, you keep it current and you interview so many fascinating people and, and they're always the people you always catch the people like, Oh, great. I was wondering what they were up to. So I know you and I can both feel spring is not far away. Cannot wait. Thank you again. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Profile, daffodils. Deer resistant, sweet smelling, tough, and long lasting. Daffodils are a wonderful spring blooming bulb to add to your garden. Plant them each fall at a depth of about two to three times the bulb size. Then forget all about them until the foliage and flowers emerge the following spring. You can get varieties that bloom in early season, February to March, mid season, March to April, and late season. April to May. Be sure to check the bulb bag labels and catalog descriptions so you can have flowers all throughout the spring. The only maintenance they ever need is to dig and divide them every decade or so if they get too crowded and their flowering slows down. Some of my favorite varieties are Tete-a-Tete. -tete. This is a dwarf daffodil that has multiple blooms on a single stem. They're only about six inches high and are a terrific grouping on a slope or alongside a pathway. February Gold is a classic yellow daffodil that is the first to bloom in my garden. I love to cut it and enjoy it inside. One warning, if you bring them in as a cut flower, do not mix them with other flowers right away as they exude a toxin into the vase water that can cause the other blooms to droop. So separate them or change the water out a few times before combining them with other flowers. Another favorite is Ice Follies. It's a classic bicolored daffodil with a large flower cup. It ranks third in the top 10 daffodils produced worldwide by growers. Including hybrids, there are over 13,000 distinct daffodil varieties in existence. You're sure to find a few favorites of your own. Daffodils, you can grow that.
What's new this week? Well, we've had every kind of frozen precipitation possible. It's been quite a weather week, but I'm still cheered to see signs of spring out there in the garden. Buds are swelling, bulb foliage is coming up, and spring is just around the corner. I spent some time this week attending the PPA Winter Virtual Symposium and PPA is Perennial Plant Association. This year's theme was Perennial Professionals at Work and Play. Um, What a fabulous topic. So we got to see behind the scenes of several luminaries in the plant world, their home gardens, and some of them also shared their work gardens. Those ranged from Angela Treadwell, Palmer, founder and co-owner of Plants Nouveau, to Hans Hansen with Walters Gardens, Kelly D. Norris, and Jessica Walliser were just a few. Uh, Such a fun way to spend a dreary winter day, and you're still able to to order and watch that program if you go to perennialplant.org. They said it should be up for about six months if you still want to register and experience those gardens. And I also attended a Smithsonian Garden Talk. They've revived their series back for 2021, um, noontime lunch series of Garden Talks, of course, virtually. And this past week was on photography tips, which was a wonderful session to sit in and see some of those tips and tricks. And for our own Washington Gardener magazine, we are about to announce our garden photo contest winners in the next week or so so stay tuned for that in our February issue that's coming out um, in the next few days and another event that's coming up quickly is the Potomac Rose Society has a meeting that's open to the general public and it's about old roses used in master classic paintings Um, so even if you're not that much into roses if you are into classic art this might be a session you want to sit in on and we have so many virtual conferences coming up gearing up to spring from rooting dc to brookside gardens greenscapes Um, there's so much packed in our next issues event listing so check that out as well with hot links to be able to sign up for those Happy gardening. Thank you for listening to Garden DC. You can become a listener supporter by going to anchor.fm backslash Kathy dash gents backslash support. For as little as 99 cents a month, you can become a listener supporter and we'll give you a shout out in a future episode. Another way to support Garden DC is to go to WashingtonGardener.com and subscribe to Washington Gardener magazine. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So, You want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall, rock-climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. You can find Washington Gardener online at WashingtonGardener.com, on Twitter at WDC Gardener, on Instagram at WDC Gardener, and on Facebook.com at Washington Gardener Magazine.